there was a little boy who was playing outside in the dirt and he lost his contact lens and so he was doing everything he could to find it. He looked around for about 30 minutes and no success. He goes in and says to his mother, I was playing out there in the dirt, lost my contact lens. I've looked for 30 minutes and can't find it. She says, let me go out there and see what I can do. She goes out there and about two minutes later she finds it. And he's just mesmerized with that. And he said, how in the world did you do that? I was looking for 30 minutes, couldn't find it. You come out here in two minutes, you've already found it. She said, we weren't looking for the same thing. You were looking for a contact lens. I was looking for $250. And uh, so it, it does make a difference where your focus is at. When you face giants in your life, every one of us, we're going to face giants. There are three categories of people when it comes to storms, but there are three categories of people when it comes to giants. You're facing a giant, you have faced a giant, or you will face a giant. Where is your focus at? Is it on the size of the giant or is it on the power of God? It makes a difference. As you turn in your Bible to 1 Samuel 17, we're going to walk through this incredible story today. But we see about Goliath, he's got a title, and the title is champion. And we like the word champion in life because we focus a lot on champions. I remember back in August when I had the opportunity of playing St. Andrews, the old course at St. Andrews, walking up the 18th fairway and so many things going on in my mind at the time. But I thought about all the people who had walked up this fairway, walked over the bridge, walked up the fairway, and just moments they were getting ready to be crowned to say this, you are the champion golfer of the year. Uh, the Open Championship. Then I think about champions, and, and we, we know that Tennessee fans here, I think collectively in your school, you've won like 23 national championships. That's super impressive to be able to do that. Got a great basketball team. I think about Florida State. They've won some national championships in football. Think about the University of Kentucky. There are a few national championships. Let me just mention a few of those. 1948, 1949, 1951, 1958, 1978, 1996, 2012, and maybe 2024. We'll see. You always got to have that hope in that. So national championships. Some of you don't like that. I know. Just hang in there. Just hang in there. But we like the word champion. Then we come to 1 Samuel 17, and we get an introduction about this guy by the name of Goliath. We know where he's from, from Gath. And then we know this. The Bible describes him in different places in the text as a champion. Can you imagine facing a giant like Goliath who is a champion at warfare and God's going to raise up a young boy by the name of David to deal with him, but he was a champion. Now, let me give you some insight here. Once you take out your teaching outline and write a few of these things down, when we start looking at giants, all of us deal with giants. Again, our giants aren't going to be named Goliath and, and they're not going to be over nine feet tall and they're not going to be really a champion that way. And... But, but we all face giants, and giants sometimes can, can leave us fearful in life. I want to encourage you to write this verse down, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, because when you face giants, you need to know this verse. And it just says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So, so our Savior has all power, all knowledge. He's everywhere. Our Savior is victorious. 
And we're going to celebrate that here in just a little bit in this service. So as we think about Jesus, greater is he who is in you. That's Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit than he who is in the world. He's defeated our our enemy and our enemy loses. So as you think about giants, let me give you these three facts, quick facts about giants. Number one, giants appear very large. What giants are you facing in your life? And oftentimes they feel extremely, extremely large. Here's what we know. We have medical giants. And you may be dealing with something medically that looks overwhelming to you in life. There are relational giants. And Goliath, you may be dealing with some relationships. You just don't see any way for them to be reconciled or restored. There are relational Goliaths that we deal with. There are vocational Goliaths. You may be in a work situation right now that you're praying and you're praying and you're praying for God to change that, but it just doesn't seem to change. seems very large to you, overwhelming to you. And then there are spiritual Goliaths, giants in our lives. We're just like, God, what are you doing? Why am I going through this storm? Why am I facing this adversity? Why can't we ever seem to get a break? Why are you so silent? Why is it when I pray, it seems like heaven never answers? God, what are you doing? And this giants appear very large in life. Second, giants work in valleys. As you think about Goliath, where did he work it? He worked in the Valley of Elah. Here, David him on one side, Philistines on the other side. Goliath is at work in the valley. You may find yourself today, maybe not on a mountaintop, but you find yourself in a valley. And let me ask you, if you're in a valley, does a giant have you cornered in that valley? Giants appear very large. Giants work in valleys. And then number three, giants love to intimidate. Goliath intimidated Saul and the people of Israel, and they fled in fear. He was doing everything he could to intimidate David. You're just a youth. You're just a young boy. All these things, I'm going to kill you and give you all this stuff. He's trying to intimidate David. And giants love to intimidate people to say, see, God doesn't care about you. You're never going to get a break. This is, your job's never going to change. Your relationships are never going to be restored. Your medical situation, you're never going to find healing in that. Giants love to intimidate. But as we think about God's word, as we walk through 1 Samuel 17, they may be large, uh, they may work in valleys, they may intimidate, but the good news of 1 Samuel 17 and the power of God, that giants fall. We can defeat giants by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to invite you, to, as you continue in the outline, how do we defeat giants? Let's walk through this. Number one, an aggressive giant. Uh, what do we know about Goliath? Again, we know he was a tall person about nine feet, six inches tall. This coat of mail would have weighed over, weighed over 100 pounds and the spear over 11 pounds or so, just a gigantic individual. We know this, that if he lived in our day, uh, college basketball coaches would be doing everything they can to get him in the transfer portal. They would be offering him NIL deals. He'd be making a lot of money just because of how big he was. And so when you look at Goliath, again, we know that about him. Again, we're facing Goliaths in our own lives, but when you look at this story, you see this. But when you think about this aggressive giant, he's in the valley of Elah, and here he is, he's intimidating David and the people of Israel and Saul, and he's doing everything to defeat them. And so you see this aggressive giant, but what giants are you facing in your own life? And here's where this message gets real personal to you and me, because I want you to take just a moment when you look at your life, can you identify Can you name some of the giants that you're dealing with in your life? I've given you some blanks here. I want you to write these down. Number one is fear. 
There, there are many people who are dealing with the giant of fear. You're afraid of the unknown. You're afraid that you're never going to get any breaks. You're afraid that your life's never going to amount to much. Maybe you're afraid to lead. Maybe you're afraid to make a hard decision. But those are just giants that you continue to deal with in your own life. And I just encourage you, somewhere you've got to be able to identify the giant of fear. He's not called us to live fearful. He's called us to live obedient. He's called us to walk by faith and not by sight. And I just encourage you, if you're fearful about your life or about your future or the unknown or even fearful of death, make sure you confess that and ask the Lord for that giant to fall in your life. Second one is debt. There are many people today, it's only second, third week into the new year, and you're looking at this year and there are just so many giants of financial proportions in your life. If you look at it and you say, I don't think we're ever going to get ahead financially. You look at it and you say, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to retire. You look and say, when are we going to start arguing and fighting over money issues? It's the leading cause of divorce. This debt is a giant in our lives. When are we ever going to catch a break and get a handle on this? That giant can fall in your life as well. Third one is jealousy. I'm going to preach an entire message on this subject next week about jealousy, but sometimes jealousy is you're just envious of another person. Jealousy is alive and well for those of us who are in ministry. How could he pastor this church? How could they do this, this and that? We find ourselves jealous over other people. It's a giant that captivates us in many, many ways. That giant can fall as well. And then the fourth one is mental, just mental giants in life. Maybe you find yourself here the third week of the new year and you're you're battling depression. Maybe you find yourself dealing with worry. You're worried about everything in life. Maybe you're struggling with anxiety or you're just dealing with anger, emotional issues, but you're dealing with mental issues that are just ripping your life apart. They're giants intimidating you in the valleys of life and they seem so, so large. What do you do with that? This week, on Thursday, I had a Zoom call with the Tennessee Baptist Convention, and I've been serving on a, on a group with them, the Acts 217 initiative, and now I'm in a work group working on mental health issues for people in ministry and people who are members of our churches in the Tennessee Baptist Convention. And so we had a Zoom call, and a part of that Zoom call was just introducing one another to the group. And so they ask every single one of us, say, just introduce yourself, tell us where you're serving at, and why are you passionate about serving on this mental health group? And so it came my time, and I introduced myself, told them who I was, told them where I was serving at, First Baptist Church Clarksville. And here's why I'm delighted and passionate about being on this group. And I said, my desire is I want to help pastors and people in ministry to be healthy. Because if we're going to have healthy churches, it requires healthy pastors and healthy leaders. And if there are mental health issues, and which there are, then we need to address those and we need to help one another be healthy in the sight of God and healthy leading churches. And so that's why I'm passionate about this group because I want to be healthy. I want other pastors and ministry leaders to be healthy because I want us to pastor and serve healthy churches. There was a lady that never had met her before living over in the Sevierville area. And she's on this work group and she introduces herself, tells what church she's involved in. And then she says, here's why I'm passionate about this group. And she talked about her brother. And she talked about a brother who committed suicide and took his life. And she says, after my brother took his life, 
She said, I knew then that I needed to get in the fight and try to help people get healthy and when they face these giants of mental illness. Another level. But when you think about these giants, again, maybe you find yourself here. I was watching last Sunday afternoon trying to debate, is it going to snow or not? When's it going to start? And I was watching this golf tournament that was, was being played in Hawaii and it was a Sony Open, and so it came down to a three-person playoff. And so there were three individuals going to go back to the 18th hole, tee off again. And so they get to the 18th green. All three of them have a chance maybe to win the tournament. Two of the guys missed the putt. Another guy, Grayson Murray, he was 40 feet away, and he made the putt, and he won the golf tournament on the 18th hole, the first hole of the playoff. And then when it came to the interview time, I was interested in the interview because they'd been talking about his life leading up to this playoff. And they'd been saying, Grayson Murray, great golfer, professional golfer, but he's been struggling lately in his life, struggling with alcohol, but also struggling with mental illness. And then, then I did a little research and realized back in 2022, just, just a year and a half ago, in the U.S. Open, one of the most prestigious golf tournaments in the world. And it's always in, always in June. So in that golf tournament, about a year and a half ago, Grayson Murray had a meltdown during the U.S. Open golf tournament. He missed a putt. He got so angry, so upset. Again, he'd been struggling with alcohol issues, mental health issues. He got so mad and angry because he missed that putt. And he took his putter and threw it into fescue weeds and just left it there. And then on a tee box, he got to the point where he was going to hit another shot, hit the shot, didn't like what it did, and he took the club and just bent it over his knee and broke it. Just a meltdown, national television, over a golf tournament. And then here he is a year and a half later, makes a 40-foot putt to win the Sony Open and changed his career. And so it came time to the interview, and here's what he said. And the interviewer just said to him, I, I, I know, and we, we've watched you, uh, some meltdowns over alcohol, mental illness. What happened in 2022? How did you get to this point today? And Grayson Murray said these words. He said, there was a point in my life, and just again, over the last number of months, he said, there was a point in my life, he said, I no longer, uh, I really no longer cared about life. Uh, he said, I was no longer interested in the game of golf. And he said, I really didn't even care if I lived or not. And then he said, here's what happened though. Here's incredible. Jesus Christ changed my life. Changed his life. And so Todd, who was doing the interview with him said, here you, you win the Sony Open. So many new doors are gonna open up for you. Your life looks to be in a very different place. He has a fiance, seemed to be a, a healthy relationship going on there. His life has changed. And so, so the person doing the interview said, I guess today has changed your life. And he said, no, let me make that clear. This, winning this golf tournament hasn't changed my life. It has changed my career, but it hasn't changed my life. Jesus changed my life. And what a great perspective. I just wanna encourage you, if you're facing a mental health giant, giants are still falling. I wanna encourage you to make sure you turn your eyes to Jesus, you put your trust in him and let giants fall and to realize just like the golfer said and you can say, listen, the giant has fallen around me. Why? Because Jesus Christ has changed my life. He'll do it for you as well. An aggressive giant. Number two, an alert memory. 
When you look at this text, you, you come across this alert memory. How many of you see ads on television about Prevagen? It's this drug helps your memory get better. Uh, maybe some of us need to be taking that because a lot of times you say, you know, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, but I can remember what I did 20 years ago just like that. Uh, maybe you don't struggle that way. Some of us may do that. But you look at it, you've got to understand, if you're going to see giants fall, you've got to realize there's an aggressive giant. You've got to name that giant or giants, whatever it may be. But also you need an alert memory. You need to remember what God has done in your life and what he wants to do now and what he will do. Look at these two things. I want you to remember this. Number one is protection. When you look at David here, David is remembering, he's remembering the protection of God in his life. Go back in 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 34, and he just says these words. He said again, your servant used to keep sheep for his father when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock. I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I called him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. Can you imagine what a story talking about the protection of God in your life? I mean, here David again has been fighting lions and bears to keep sheep safe, and God has been his protector in the midst of that. I can't imagine that. Uh, A couple, few years ago, Ange and I were in Tanzania, and as we were in Africa, the person who was with us, the ministry leader, said, there's a Maasai group, they're the toughest of the tough in Africa. I mean, tough individuals. There's a Maasai group, would you like to go meet the tribal leader for the Maasai group? I said, yeah, I'd like to meet him. It'd be great. And so we go to this, this place, this compound where they're living at. Sure enough, the, the leader comes out there. and We're meeting him. He's a young guy. He invites us into his hut. So Anson and I go into his hut. He sits down and we sit down. You can't see a thing and there is dark. And so our fi- eyes finally adjust. And then the Lord opened the door that I could share the gospel with him. I didn't know how that would go over at all. But, but he at least listened and we were able to pray for him. And, and, and again, he didn't give his life to Christ or anything like that, but we shared the gospel with him. But then I asked him, I said, you know, as you think about your people here in this, in this group, in your tribe and there are lions everywhere, what happens when a lion comes into your tribe here, into your compound? What do you do with that lion? He says, I kill the lion. I said, really? I mean, how, how do you do that? And he looked and he said, I kill it with my bare hands. I said, you, you mean you have killed lions with your bare hands? And he told me how many lions he had killed with his bare hands. And he asked me about my stuff. I said, well, I don't have any stories like that. I said, you know, when, when I see a, a spider, I just say, Angie, can you get over here and get this spider? I mean, we, we need help here. I don't, I don't even deal with spiders, much less lions or bears. But, but can you imagine David, God's shepherd boy, Here he is, he's got this memory and he's thinking about how God's protected him. Yeah, he's facing Goliath, but but he's he's been able to deal with lions and bears and God's gonna protect him. When I think about my role as pastor, I think about our staff, I think about our deacon leadership. A part of what God's called us to do is to protect the family of God. You're the sheep of God, we're his sheep. We are to protect you. That's what David was doing, protecting sheep. We need to be protecting sheep. Second word is power. David never forgot about the power of God. He didn't do that on his own. He did that because God gave him power. David never took his eyes off the Lord. And when you think about giants in your life, remember the protection of God, but also remember the power of God in your life. 
Make sure you've got an alert memory. You name your giant, but you remember who God is and the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So your memory is working well because you remember the power and the goodness of God in your life. Look at number three, is an accurate theology. When you look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, you understand these theological statements. It's not one time we're in San Francisco and uh, we, we, we were needing to get gas and so I pulled into a gas station and I opened the door. When I opened the door, I looked down and there was a $20 bill lying there. And so I just reached down to pick it up because we're going to leave it there. So I reached down to pick it up and then when I reached down to pick it up, my eyes looked and then I looked in front and I saw another $20 bill over there. And then I looked down and got that one. Then there was another one over here and another one and another one and another one. So six $20 bills. And so I told Angel, I said, the Lord has rained down money from heaven today for us because here's $120 just right here on the ground. I got gas and we left. And, and my regret was that there was a dumpster right over there. There's probably $20 bills all in that dumpster. And I didn't even have the sense to look in there at the time. And so we came out there, but there was money everywhere. And so when you look at 1 Samuel 17, here's what you have to realize. There's theology all throughout this chapter. Incredible theological insights. And that's why I encourage you. You may not go to a seminary, get a theological education, but study theology. Study who God is in the work of God. Because in 1 Samuel 17, you see this Goliath, this giant named Goliath, but you see David, his servant, but you also see the hand of God and the theology of God all throughout this text. Let me give you some words. One is selection. When you look in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you see how God works. Because how did God select David? Again, the, the emphasis was people look at the outward appearance, but what God looks at the heart. And so God doesn't just look at the outward appearance of somebody. He looks at a person's heart, and that's exactly how David was selected. No one would have probably selected him, but David was God's chosen one. When you look at Jesus and the disciples, again, fishermen and tax collectors, how many of us would have ever selected them? I mean, they weren't the choice of the choices. And so when you look at God, though, when you look at the Lord Jesus Christ, he uses people because he looks at the heart, not merely the outward appearance. Why does God do that? And here's why. Because he gets the glory when he uses you and me. What a great thing. You see selection. So here David selected. I just want to encourage you. You say, I'm, I'm not the most gifted. I'm not the most talented. I don't have the most education. I don't have the most experience. You can go through all those things. Make your life available and let God use you because he uses people in such a way, again, that he will use their lives. He'll get the glory for it and his kingdom will expand. Let God use you even in the selection process. And then number two, preparation. I believe God had been preparing David to take on Goliath to set the people of Israel free. How do you believe he did that? Well, again, I go back two weeks ago to the message, the message on solitude is David was keeping watch over those sheep as he was fighting lions and bears, as he was protecting them. David was spending time alone with God and because of his solitude and how well he knew God, God was preparing him to take on Goliath for the people of Israel. And here's why our ministry as a church is so critical. We want to disciple parents who ultimately disciple students, kids, preschoolers. And here's why that's important because as you go out these doors 
as you interact with people day in and day out in circumstances in life, you're going to face those Goliaths. Again, it's going to be a medical Goliath. It'll be a financial Goliath. It will be a spiritual Goliath, a relational Goliath, vocational Goliath, a mental Goliath. You're going to face all these Goliaths. And as we are preparing you in the word of God, day in and day out, Sunday after Sunday, then we are equipping you to prepare to face giants and to see those giants fall. That's why we thank God for people who are teaching connect groups, who are helping us in ministry. We're investing in preschoolers and kids and students, collegiate students, adults of all ages. Why? Because we are preparing you to stand strong in the Christian life and live a victorious life and see your giant or giants fall in your life. The power of the word of God. Number four, an anointed strategy. When you look at this text here, we see an interesting part. David is going to be facing Goliath in this valley of Allah. It's an anointed strategy. Now, when I use the word anointed in this sentence, we, we don't use the word anointed very much in Baptist circles. It makes some of us a little bit uncomfortable. But I want, I want you to understand my heart. Every Saturday night, every Sunday morning, multiple, multiple times over and over again, here's what I'm praying when I'm getting ready for Sunday morning. I'm praying to say, now, Lord Jesus... As I stand in the pulpit tomorrow, as your servant, God, I've sought to obey your leadership. I believe you called me here. Lord, you've given me this message, this word. And so, God, will you make sure that I will have recall, remembrance, and new insight as I stand to preach your word? God, I'm desperate for that. I need it. And then I'll come before him and say, God, not only that, but will you do this? Lord, will you give me freedom liberty and an anointing from your spirit to preach your word. Why? Because I don't want to do this out of the flesh. I want to make sure I do this out of the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It's an anointed strategy. I believe when you look at David, I believe David took down Goliath because I believe God had given him an anointed strategy to do that. If you go back, and again, I don't have a lot of time here, but if you go back and just study ancient warfare in Israel, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find that uh, there were people who were part of the cavalry, and and those people, again, they would fight on horses and chariots, those type things. There were other people who were part of the infantry. They, They walked around on foot, but they were heavily armed. And then you find a third group in ancient Israel. They were known as slingers. They were able to sling stones and other things like that. You may just want to write this verse down. Judges chapter 20 and verse 16. Judges 20 verse 16. It's amazing when you get, again, the cavalry, the infantry, and then you got slingers. How accurate these slingers were in, in life. Listen to this verse, Judges chapter 20 verse 16. Among all those, these were 700 chosen men who were left-handed. There's something about being left-handed. And so thank the Lord for a few of us who are left-handed and some of us who are all mixed up. Because, uh, again, I play all sports left-handed, but I do everything else right-handed. That's just somebody who's messed up at the end of the day. But among all these, there were 700 chosen men who were left-handed. Now listen to this next phrase. This is the word of God. I'm not making this up. This is the word of God. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. That's David. He was a slinger. David was so accurate. Again, you go back and study ancient Israel warfare. People would say that a slinger could could shoot a stone 200 yards away and be extremely, extremely accurate. And that's David. God's strategy for him was not a spear, not a sword, not a javelin. 
It was a stone. This stone literally came from the brook in the valley of Elah in the Holy Land. And can you imagine David with a sling putting a stone? Here's the strategy. Right in the forehead of Goliath. He falls on his face. He is down. God's anointed strategy. I want you to write these three things down. And your strategy, as you face Goliath, you name your Goliath, your giant, whatever it is, these need to be a part of your strategy. Number one is God's word. Number two is God's power. Number three, God's people. If you're going to defeat giants and giants are going to fall in your life, those three things need to be a part of your life. God's word, his word is inerrant. His word is infallible. His word is authoritative. Know the word of God. His word will not return void. Hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against him. Hide his word in your heart that you can be victorious over your Goliaths, your giants. Rely on the word of God. God's power You can't do it on your own. You need to rely on the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit lives his life in and through you. Don't do it in the flesh. Do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then God's people, we need brothers and sisters in Christ if we're going to live successful, victorious Christian lives. Here's what I can tell you, though, in 35 years of ministry. When I see people and their giants defeating them rather than them defeating their giants, I can almost guarantee you this every time I've met with people, They've not relied on God's word. They've not relied on God's power. And they've stayed away from God's people. An anointed strategy is, God, I'm dependent upon your word. God, I'm dependent upon your Holy Spirit. And God, I need to relate with your people. And watch him use you. See your giants fall. Number five is an awesome God. Uh, you, you, You know my heart in this. I don't use the word awesome really for anything other than God. I don't talk about food that way. I don't talk about golf courses that way. I don't talk about people that way. Nehemiah chapter one, verse five says what? Who's awesome? Well, it's the Lord God Almighty. He's the one who is great and awesome. It's God and God alone who is awesome. Some other things are great. Some other things taste good. Some other things are fun to experience, but only God is great and awesome. And so when you think about the word of God, David in the Valley of Eli, in that brook, he picks up five stones. Some say, why five stones? Many people say Goliath had brothers, and so he was getting ready for them as well. But David just need one stone. But, but why did he use five stones? And I want to give you these five statements that they can be your five stones that you can see giants fall in your life and you can be victorious in the person of Christ. Here are the five statements. Number one, focus on our Savior's strength. Your giant may be big, but not bigger than Jesus. Our Savior, the Son of God, here's how amazing he is. He left heaven and he came to this earth. He defeated death in the grave by his crucifixion on the cross and his victorious over the grave. Jesus Christ is alive. When you focus on your Savior's strength, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You can live a victorious life. He's not called you to live, again, where you fall to your giants, he's called you to live victorious and you rely on the Savior's strength. If he can defeat death, he can defeat the grave, then he can use you to defeat a giant in your life. You focus on the Savior's strength in your life. 
Number two, prepare for giants in private. That's exactly what David did. Came out of a period of solitude. Get along with God. Find you a special place, the inner room of your life. You know him. You walk with him. You learn from him. And you allow him to equip you in solitude to do what he's going to do in public. You prepare for giants in private. Number three, face giants with God's stories. That's exactly what David did. David came before the Goliath and said, what? Look what God did. He conquered bears and lions, and these are God's stories, and God did all these things in my life. You and I need to make sure when we face giants, we use God's stories. This giant may be large, but look how great our God is. Look how awesome he is. Use stories of how God has been victorious in your life and working around you and how he'll be victorious in this moment. Focus on God's stories. Number four, confront confront giants with five words. How many times do we do this? We're facing a giant, some major, major thing, large in life, and here's what we say, I could never do that. And what happens? We find ourselves living defeated. How many of us, when when we face giants and we say these five words, God could never use me, and we live defeated? But here are David's five words. There should be our words as well. Here they are. You ready? The battle is the Lord's. It's his battle. We trust him. We know him because we've been in private with him. We're walking with him. The battle is the Lord's. Let's be victorious because he will give us the victory. And then number five, declare our victory in Jesus. Love that him, victory in Jesus. But here David is, takes young Goliath, cuts off his head. What does he do? Brings it back to Jerusalem. What does he do with his armor? Puts it in his tent. Why? Because he wants to remember the victory that God has given him. You and I need to put up some markers to say, Jesus, here's how you have allowed me to be victorious over a medical giant, a spiritual giant, a relational giant, a mental giant, a vocational giant, whatever the giant may be, here is the victory I have in Jesus. And you watch him fall in your life, facing giants. Now, I want to encourage you today. One of the ways you're going to defeat giants in your life is you obey the leadership of Christ. And I want to encourage you in the room and those who are watching, if you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I encourage you, run to him today. Run to him. Run to him and say, I'm lost. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I need to be born again. I need a new beginning in life. Let Jesus change your life and save you today. If you know Christ, you've never been baptized, run to him. Obey the leadership of Christ and follow him in biblical baptism. Let him change your life that way. Join the fellowship of this church. Run to him today and say, Lord, I want to be a part of your church, your body of believers right here at First Baptist Church. And God, use me today so I can join the fellowship of this church. Again, you're facing giants. You need to surrender and say, Lord, I want victory in you. Come to him. Run to him today. God's calling you to do something very specific. Run to him. Let him, again, you want victory in Christ. Run to him and God used David and he wants to use you and he wants to use me. Let's bow our heads together. All over this worship center, but also those who are worshiping online, I want to encourage you as you bow where you are as well. Just in your mind, in your heart, what giants in your life need to come tumbling down. A giant could be pride in your life. 
and pride has kept you from obeying the leadership of Christ and the Holy Spirit in an imitation just like this. But I want to encourage you today, let the giant of pride fall. The giant of procrastination, the giant of delay, let those giants fall. And I encourage you, run to Jesus, let him change your life, and then your song can be victory in Jesus. I'm going to be down front. Our pastoral team will be down front. Prayer partners are going to be over to the sides as well. And I pray, don't, don't, just immediately when we pray and the invitation start, won't you come and just say, Lord, today, won't you respond to us? You watch online, one of your platforms you're watching on. Let us hear from you how you are going to experience victory in Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for us. Thank you for uh, giving us victory in life. And Lord, just as David, Father, with your power, defeated Goliath, I pray for those of us in this room and watching the giants that we face, I pray today and the days to come, those giants will fall because we're trusting in you and we will be victorious in you. So in this invitation, as we sing this great hymn of the faith, I pray that we'll walk away and say, victory in Jesus is my story. And I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and you come this morning as we sing.